Welcome to Postwave. You're here with Eric and Trevor. So today we're going to be asking a question that has been around for a long time and would seem to have an obvious answer to a lot of people, but we will think it's worth talking about in a pretty rigorous way. We're talking about why art matters, why do art in 2020 in America, and how we can justify that when there's so much suffering and awful shit going on in the world. So, Trevor, should there be art? It's a good question. Uh, do you, do you think do you, do you think we should like introduce ourselves because it's the first episode, and also I feel like it's kind of relevant to this question, like our background. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. That sounds like an yeah. excellent idea. So, Trevor, who are you? Yeah. So, um, I guess I'll just say, but so both Eric and I went to CU Boulder uh, for music composition and graduated in 2017, right? Yeah, Correct. so we've yeah, been out of school for about three years, uh, out in the real world, and uh, I've been here in Austin, Texas, uh, and pretty much right after I got back, I started working at Ballet Austin as a pianist, uh, like 18 hours a week, <laughs> and did that for about two years, and was teaching too, and started gigging a lot, especially after like a year and a half out of school, and um, kind of around... I guess like a f six months ago or something started to just like question everything and have kind of like a quarter life crisis. And, um, I had been like the music path at that point for like, I don't know, <laughs> 16 years, <laughs> some stupid amount of time. And, uh, mm. that was like the only thing that, uh, not the only thing. It was like the main thing that like defined me. It was like my identity was basically like tied up in it. And, uh, absolutely when I started to kind of question why I was doing it and what it was bringing to the world, uh, everything just kind of started to crum <laughs> crumble and, uh, <laughs> and I started to rethink everything and I'm still kind of, still kind of there. Um, yeah, I think that <laughs> kind of gets us up to date. Uh, how about you? Wow. Uh, yeah, that's really, um, thoughtful and, I I I feel like I I should have anticipated this question and thought a little bit about it. <laughs> Who the hell am I? <laughs> I'm Eric Mulherin. I've uh I went to school with Trevor at CU Boulder uh also for composition um and uh with a a business minor and certificate of entrepreneurship in music and uh over the course of that time at college, I had uh, some experiences and uh, a sort of rapid shift in my understanding of the universe uh, that I in went into depth of exploring um, and have continued to do so, I, I think. I am currently living on Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts uh, with my lovely grandmother um and just uh teaching music part-time so yeah uh, as trevor said I w uh we went to school together um from the uh 
very not only the very first day but uh actually from the admissions um several months before the first day yeah. i believe we yeah. met um and uh quickly hit it off uh, when school started yeah. again um or again <laughs> for the first time so maybe i can say a little bit about how i started thinking about this stuff because i feel like it was very it was very tied up in in playing for ballet classes at least at first um interesting yeah so like um i'm trying to remember what it was like even starting because it it's such a like specific idiosyncratic world that like it's hard to i it's hard to even remember what i thought it was going to be <laughs> before i started doing it um but um you know obviously like it's a amazing art and it's really hard and you have to train you know really hard for it your entire life and be super committed and it's beautiful and um but like in the classes like it's all these little like minutiae about you know your toe is supposed to be half an inch this way and not half an inch the other way <laughs> and you spend like so much time you know working on those little things and it's the same thing with music right like you spend hours and hours in rehearsal like refining tuning and you know and balance and phrasing and you know all the little minutiae and it's like you know that's what you're spending your time on hours and hours of your days you know on these little minutiae mm. that uh i mean it's, it's certainly true like when you hear a performance as like a lay listener i'm sure you know you can tell if people are messing up or you can tell if you know little details are off but it's like no one of those details on its own is like essential if that makes sense <laughs> i don't know and like certainly. i think about an analogy to like a, an engineer right who has to worry about all these little like you know esoteric little things that no one is going to care about as you know as long as the building <laughs> keeps standing um yeah. yeah so that's the kind of the comparison i go i go to in my head um although i don't know if it's fair but it's something mm. about like you can cultivate an appreciation for these little like minute things and i can you know once it's pointed out to you you can say oh that does look better if their foot is you know half an inch this way or oh that does sound better if you know if it's you know <laughs> 15 cents sharper or something you know okay so here's an interesting question then uh, i think this will tie into our discussion on the purpose of art uh if art has a place in our society and if so how um so do you think that uh engineering uh, a field where uh, the study of the minutiae is absolutely important. Do you think that that, uh, that skill set, that mindset could have developed in a society that did not value those, uh, that the mindset of attention to detail first in art? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think you can say like, we learned how to have attention to detail in art first and then we applied it to engineering. Cause I mean like, you know, making a bow and arrow that takes attention to detail and like, um, I mean, I, I mm -hmm. imagine they probably grew up in or developed in parallel just as, as humans developed, like we developed more detail in our art and more detail in our, in our manipulation of, you know, physical stuff. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, it's, it's possible <laughs> and it's possible that, you know, yeah. Um, 
I mean, something I, I do think is beautiful about appreciating details is like, um, you literally have a new experience of something if you can, if you're more aware of, of little details, right? It's like Terrence McKenna talked about with the forest and like the different colors of green. Mm, like, absolutely. Yeah, once it's pointed out to you, you're like, oh, it is different and I can appreciate it. Um, but the problem is like, uh, sorry, this is maybe going a little bit away from your question, but like, you, it's hard to reach people until you reach them, if that makes sense. Like you, like people won't appreciate the little things unless you have some kind of way to like get out in front of the art and like explain, you know, what, what they all are. And that's not to say people can't have like a meaningful experience without that. It's just, um, you know, there's like another world there that, that most people don't, Hmm. don't try to like get to. Sure. So, so, uh, the passive consumption of art versus uh, an intentioned engagement with art um, is is that sort of what you're positing that uh, most audiences probably wouldn't uh, necessarily uh, go the extra mile to appreciate the finery details without having uh, the opportunity for the creator to come and explain those details. I don't know if it's necessarily the creator themselves, but like, you know, just knowing anything or about someone. music as far as like how it's put together and like, I mean like, you know, just appreciating how like from like an audiophile perspective, like how good the recording sounds, like how good the mixing is, how like, how, sure. how pristine it is, like how, I don't know, this is something that probably, probably people who are involved in music probably think about more, but like, I love when I hear even like a pop song, it's like, wow, I've never literally heard anything like that. Like exa- exactly like that. Even mm. if it's just like one little, one little sound that's like, you know, <laughs> Um, sure. Well, so I ask because, um, that is, uh, an idea that, uh, has been put forth, uh, put forth by David Foster Wallace in his writing of Infinite Jest, which, as you know, is a very large, difficult, uh, and pretty unapproachable book. Uh, it's something like, what, 1100, 1200 pages long with uh, several hundred pages of end notes at the back where the whole time through you have to flip back and forth. You Uh, haven't read it though, right? Oh, I have. (laughs) 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 Okay. Um, Anyway, so, so in, in writing this book, he sort of had the hypothesis that uh, maybe, you know, he, he, at least he was sort of uh, attempting to challenge the assumption that, um, people are passive consumers of art, mm-hmm. uh, and certainly we can be. But um, I, I, I heard in an interview he was speaking about how he uh, believed that if there was art that uh, people could engage with and engage with, and that challenged them to engage with, um, that. Uh, people would step up and and meet it. And I I think uh, to a certain extent that has been verified, uh, although not with all audiences. Right. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's always going to be some, like, subset of the the population who's, you know, who's into that stuff. Um, I don't know. My my is just going to like how do you how do you possibly quantify any of this and like is it even does it even make sense or is it even like so the uh, the tangibility of the rewards of 
your actions from doing art versus doing other activities that might have more uh, concrete positive outcomes. Mm -hmm. So here's a question. Should there be art at all? Oh, I think there definitely should. I mean, basically, I, if I was going to adopt like a radical, like, uh, like intentionally over radical philosophy, <laughs> like no, no gigantic media in industry, just like everyone in their own cities, you know, like making their own art for each mm. other. Like, I think that's like the idea. That would be that nice. would be nice. <laughs> I mean, but then like you know, it's like you wouldn't get to experience like you know anyone outside of your um yeah there's certainly value to be gained by uh being exposed to art that comes from outside your own community um yeah i mean i think yeah i think i think my stance is just like more uh more amateur bad art and less expensive (laughs) like (laughs) (laughs) lavish like Okay, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, can you tell me uh, why? Um, because I think that's ultimately more satisfying. I think I think the first first person to make me think about that was was Kurt Vonnegut, and he has this. Um, Kurt Vonnegut wrote uh, Slaughterhouse Five and Cat's Cradle and a bunch of other other books. Pretty quintessential American author. Um, he said that if you write a poem or draw a picture and tear it up and don't show it to anyone, you've still gained something and have grown by that experience. And I think that's a very valuable uh, way of thinking about things, especially as we move into a world where it's possible more and more art will be created by AI, that a lot of the value of art is what it does for the creator rather than what it does for other people. Mm, that's beautiful and i think i think a lot of people assume that because they can't create art that lives up to the standards of you know Mm. pop stars and composers who have made millions of dollars and touched millions of lives that somehow the the art they create has has no value or that it's not really helping anyone or that it's just kind of pathetic or something Mm. but (laughs) i think I think more and more we need to help people realize that the value of art is as much for the creator as it is for the person experiencing it. Yeah, that's absolutely true. To me, creating helps organize my mind and lends just a great amount of clarity to my life in general. Yeah, I can can get the gears working in a way that's pretty unique Hmm. compared to you know, just kind of sitting there and thinking about your problems and how to solve them and stressing about <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, yeah. well, I just about anything's more productive than that. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, but you need to, you need to, in some sense, you know, think about issues that you have and how you're going to solve sure. them. But, but art, art can kind of, if you're like the the Roomba robot that's like stuck in a corner and just like, you know, like ramming yourself against the wall, then it can kind of, uh, yeah, lead your brain down different paths. Yeah, absolutely true. It can like show you, show you things about yourself that you, that you didn't know or, or show you even, even tastes that you 
have that you wouldn't have discovered otherwise because but because you you came to those new experiences through some kind of personal exploration Mm. my cousin was telling me about how her friend would used to get high all the time and do nothing and then at some point he picked up the guitar and started playing guitar and now she says he'll just go home and before he would just go home and get high and now he'll go home and get high and play the guitar (laughs) but somehow that's like a world of difference yeah yeah totally okay actually i have another question that might uh i've got i've got a, a sort of uh network of questions (laughs) that i want to tie in in the best way um okay so so trevor (laughs) um if you can think of what's the art capital of the united states and possibly the world currently i mean new york or la new york York la Uh, sure. Uh, yeah, L.A. for film, New York for everything else, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I guess so. I don't. I'm... <laughs> uh, oversimplifying, but <laughs> um, so this may be a controversial uh, perspective, but when I think of New York, I think of the most sad and desolate place that I've ever been. Yeah. Um, it's all concrete, it's all noise and, uh, alienation and, uh, really just a lot of, uh, a lot of smog, (laughs) uh, bad air. It's a shitty place. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, all, all of the natural beauty that exists in the world has been more or less eradicated from this whole swath of of the earth, mm-hmm. um, we've basically taken everything that's naturally beautiful in the world in that place and scrubbed it all out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of people might uh, disagree with this uh, assessment, but um, take it with a grain of salt if you can. I mean. Um, all cities are kind of like that, but yeah. <laughs> all cities, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And New York is the the city of cities, yeah. right? <laughs> um, so, um, New York is good at uh, fine art, right? Mm-hmm. There's a refined taste mm-hmm. there. Um, there is. A, I was reading in a, a book that my grandmother has sitting around from the '60s um, that. Uh, talks about the uh the origin of words and mm-hmm. i was reading about the word corny mm-hmm. uh, corny coming from uh you know theater performers going out uh, and uh in the more rural areas there is no appreciation for the finer points of their art mm-hmm. and uh the only thing that would get a reaction was uh the more gaudy and on the nose sort of obvious yeah uh, yeah and so uh and there's uh, a quote and i'm not going to be able to say who this was by but saying that basically anyone outside of new york city is uh, a bumpkin <laughs> uh, who cannot appreciate fine yeah. art 
Okay. So first of all, part of what ties into this is uh, obviously we both went to school for composition and got into a bunch of weird shit in school that we weren't into before. I mean, I, I feel like it's, it's hard to remember what it was like before and it like, you know, permanently changes your, your like uh, relationship to music. Um, and part of my, you know, part of my crisis was, well, now this kind of music is like my favorite thing, you know, along with like, you know, kind of like more experimental, like pop, you know, music and hip hop and, and rock and stuff. And it's like, this is, you know, like now I'm all of a sudden into this whole other field of things that is very, like has a very, you know, niche audience and like, I'm super into it. Um, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> um, and so like, uh, uh, well, you're talking about New York, and that was making me think. Like, you know, you're in a, like an urban environment. You know, like it's really austere and cement. And yeah, I think there's great value in art that like makes people feel comforted and like they're you know more connected and like you know without without too much you know digging involved <laughs> for that. Um, hmm. So I don't know. That that's part of my part of my thinking too. Is just like um, <laughs> because then like. Is it, do you have a do you have an ethical obligation to to make art that you know is gonna benefit a wider group of people? That doesn't seem right either, <laughs> you know. Mm, nah. um, but at the same time, like if you think about the impact that your life is gonna have, you could have have it on this, you know, even with music, just a, a, you know a wider swath of people, um, or not. And then you know, if you if you choose the niche audience, you're probably having a bigger impact on you know on a few people you have an impact on. Um, mm. So, I mean, yeah, just the question of what the value of that. So, so this is actually a really interesting uh, point that I'd like to talk about. Um, like, uh, okay. I, I guess the broader question we're asking at this moment is, should there be weird art? <laughs> should there be niche art uh, that only, only serves a, a, a smaller audience? Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think, I think the answer has to be yes, and let me tell you why. Um, it has to do with the way that art develops. Um, art is not linear, mm -hmm. you know. It's not like the most studious, uh, the most brilliant person who has the best education is going to come up with the next thing. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, or, or to come up with something that will be valuable mm -hmm. to the, its audiences. Um, art uh, sort of follows a form of natural selection where a lot of people make a wide variety of things and there's no saying what is going to be well adapted for its environment. Totally. Um, and to be well adapted means that it's going to influence people. Right. Um, so for example, take blues, the blues. You had uh, a... Uh, uh, belittled class of people, uh, African-Americans. Um, so, so in the society, when it was uh, being developed, uh, in, in a classless racist society, it was uh, uh, considered a lesser, uh, a lesser status. And so there's uh, very poor individuals sitting around with their detuned guitars, fiddling around with the micro tunings yeah. and coming up with this uh, really beautiful, meaningful style yeah. that uh, impacted basically all of modern yeah. music. 
I mean, that's kind of what I'm talking about with like amateur music making. You don't need like million dollar grants and like fancy facilities and, you know, like all that shit to, to innovate. Like it's, that's the other thing, like the cost today of innovating is like pretty fucking cheap. Like, I mean, like compared to, you know, like even 20, 30 years ago. And when I say innovate, I don't mean, you know, like, like groundbreaking, you know, inventing, you know, like, uh, (laughs) new kinds of like instruments or any i mean you could do that too but um yeah it's like we have access to so much more and like everyone has access to that shit like basically Mm, you know absolutely well couldn't you say that the value uh in the art that you're creating um is almost certainly uh going to happen in the individual cases where the creator is being honest to their own uh, interests and exploring what they believe is valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like that's, yeah, that's kind of like entrance fee (laughs) for like, (laughs) yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, So, so circling back to New York, um, I guess I was, I was saying that, um, so a pretty bleak place where we've eradicated all of the natural beauty more or less um and uh art flourishes here um and i i think a large part of that is um to fill a void that exists but if you look at art that people can make it's uh pretty limited in in its scope in its uh grandeur in its interest level of intricate level of intricacy um and uh really uh one could take the view that art is a pale facsimile of what beauty the natural world can create yeah i mean uh actually sorry right but uh, hold that thought. I'm going to ra- run and grab the book I was reading because there's a beautiful quote okay. that uh, relates to this. But I do want to hear your thought. This is from River of Stars by Guy Gavriel K. Master Z's last essay was about art and nature. It proposed that the blossoming of the plum in early spring was so delicately beautiful so evocative of fragility as to render words about it or paintings of it crude, inadequate, however skilled the artist or poet. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you can't actually capture the essence of everything completely. Um, but I think, like, I mean, if you th- sound in particular, like, if you think about the most complicated sounds you would hear in nature like bird call you know um i mean anything any sound an animal makes is going to be like the most complicated thing you're going to hear right i mean besides like a waterfall or like an avalanche or you know some you know Mm. or thunder um but as far as like organized like obviously there is some being like putting its you know uh will into creating sound like it's pretty darn limited it's it, it's kind of interesting if you think about it because like visually i totally get your point like you know like a lot of things we can't mm. hold a candle to but like yeah with sound it's it's just it feels like it's such a big fucking leap <laughs> 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 well 
Wow, that's fascinating. Um, yeah. Uh, wow. Oh. <laughs> okay. I mean, I guess. Cool. So, like, yeah. I mean, you can't actually like you know standing next to a gigantic waterfall. I mean, you can maybe simulate that if you're in like a movie theater or something, or like you know with an orchestra. But it's still not not the same thing. I don't know. Certainly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, and I, I'd love to continue this. This is another, um, actually, no, nah, screw that. Uh, yeah, let's keep talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think like what other forms uh, of art could you even draw an analogy to? Like there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing in nature, like theater or like, uh, poetry, poetry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we actually don't uh, know that. I mean, animals could be speaking poetry to each other and we wouldn't we wouldn't know yeah um yeah it makes me think of uh that uh terence mckenna quote that you sent me of uh glossolalia oh, yeah. and uh, about how people uh communicate uh he, he postulates that uh how people communicated uh before there was language was really as if people were talking but without without particular meaning to the words and that that uh communicated something something valuable yeah yeah man yeah truly fascinating think about thinking about like how language started and like what happened before that <laughs> yeah so but um yeah certainly so so we can't necessarily compare art uh to nature um except in, in the form of it um but what about in the uh, its ab ability to inspire people, um, to to impart a sense of awe into the person engaging with it? Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely definitely valuable because I mean, everyone needs that, you know. Absolutely. Um, at certain points, um, but then it, it's just like it's just a means to like providing that i mean i guess that's not a like a bad thing in itself but it's like um you you as the artist your only function is to enable this person to have this moment of awe so that they continue living their life and doing the, th the stuff that they do to make the world a better place i mean that that sounds honestly valuable to me yeah um think of all the all the instances where someone might become dejected and give up when they're creating a lot of value in the world, but then they engage with something that gives them awe and it inspires them to uh, continue. Like, isn't that what life is all about? Yeah, well, I mean, this is getting dangerously close to you could save someone's life, <laughs> which mm. I feel like is an argument that gets thrown around a lot during these kinds of conversations. And it's such like a... Sure. I mean, it can definitely happen, but like you know the odds of it happening you know uh are so low that it doesn't really make sense for that to be your motivation mm. i mean like i and yeah, I, so I you know i i definitely agree it can like unstick people um mm. um or keep them going but it's um yeah i mean when when was the last time you had an experience like that like uh of awe yeah I I couldn't put a okay I I might I might be able to yeah I would say last year yeah um when I uh, 
experienced the art of uh, a uh, a local uh, uh, singer-songwriter in my community Mm -hmm. uh, really inspired me uh, and uh, to... uh, (laughs) Sorry, I'm... (laughs) Just try, trying to, trying to, because <laughs> because it, it's the uh, it's that that girl I got a huge ass crush oh. on, <laughs> but it's totally about her art too. I mean that that uh, inspired me to uh, begin writing again when I had been uh, uh, not writing for a long time and and not not just to create my own art but to uh, kind of engage with my life at the time yeah that's that's interesting i'm trying to remember when the last time was for me (laughs) i mean i feel like if if it's i mean the the times i'm trying to remember is like when i heard a recording of something and i was like wow how did i not know about this this is like you know like this is like exactly what i'm into and yeah but so so nature though nature kind of has a similar ability to inspire awe and inspire uh and to inspire people mm-hmm. um and uh, i don't know if you can compare like quantity like to what degree does nature inspire and to what degree does uh art inspire but i think you can say that nature accomplishes things effortlessly uh, far beyond the scope of what art can accomplish mm-hmm. um, it uh, I mean it j- just like and this is this is something hard to understand if you're living in a, an environment that's separate from nature um, it's one of the uh, great privileges I feel from living in a rural area right now uh, where I'm in a place that I can go outside and be in nature and just like even even just like looking at uh, a small patch of brush Mm -hmm. and in that brush uh, maybe there's some ivy and to see that leaf the same leaf shape repeated over and over again it speaks to something deep it's it it's it's life beautiful (laughs) what it is (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, it's yeah. beautiful exactly yeah. um totally and uh and i think art can do that but um it it's it's constrained i think in its uh in its scope um now this is actually i'm I'm playing devil's Ab- advocate here a little bit because i don't necessarily believe what i just said um about what about art being limited um but i think uh, if you do regard art as something that is separate from nature, that it is inherently um, not as powerful as nature is. Yeah, I mean, if I mean everything's a part of nature, right? <laughs> so, of course, yeah. yeah. So, so it, yeah, if you regard it as a part of nature, then. Um, no matter how bad the art is, it's just like another leaf, right? <laughs> it's just like an, another leaf of ivy along the vine, and and that's beautiful. Yeah, no, I like it. Do you have anything more on that? I have, I have another kind of place to go. 
Sure, go ahead. Okay, so I mean, like, we're making all these very high, you know, kind of intellectual arguments about stuff. And part of my worry has been, like, you know, I have all these arguments too, but what if we're just deceiving ourselves because, one, we're too privileged to actually know, like, or see the, like, the gap in life experience between us and, you know, the majority of the people in the world who are, you know, living in developing countries and stuff. Um, and yeah, that kind of, in my brain, that's kind of like the Trump card. And it's like, I, you know, is it all just like motivated reasoning and like post hoc rationalization because we're all, you know, most people who are thinking these thoughts are already, you know, down the path to a career in the arts and to change course or, you know, to go back and do something different is like such a, um, you know, it takes a lot of, uh, energy to, you know, um, change course. And, um, Mm. and so I want, I started to wonder if like, I was, I was, you know, thinking all these thoughts because I didn't want to change course and because I was, um, Mm. and again, because I, my, um, my position doesn't really allow me to, to actually witness the full extent of the inequality that I'm worried about, if that makes sense. And it's like, absolutely. And, you know, and, and, you know, it's like, is everyone, you know, that I went to school with and that I see at these festivals, is everyone just like deceiving themselves? And we're all so wrapped up in our, you know, our life in the U S that we, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that actually hits home really hard. Um, I've had the same sensation, um, not, not long ago. Um, I remember waking up in the morning and, uh, you know, sometimes in the morning you just have this clarity mm-hmm. and I saw that my motivation for getting into music in the first place back, uh, back in high school was, it was the thing that I was good at so that that's how I valued myself in the eyes of my peers. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh and not inconsequentially that's how i valued myself in the eyes of a capitalist society mm-hmm. Th- that is to say that that was my talent that was that was the thing i had invested time into mm-hmm. and was good at and so that's what i could make money with yeah yeah i mean i guess i had i had the same kind of you know this is what i'm good at this is what people know me for stuff going on um, but I remember like the most concrete thought I, I had was like, I, I don't know what my pot- potential is and, uh, it's possible it could be pretty big. No one knows. So like, I'm going to, I don't want to take the chance. I don't want to miss the chance, you know? Mm. Um, interesting. So, so for me though, I, I had that realization and it did come with, uh, uh, you know, it was, it was a flooring thought and it came with the, uh, okay, so what am I going to do with my life now? Mm-hmm. Am I going to continue doing music that I got into for all of the wrong reasons? Or am I going to do something else? Um, and for me, a lot of, uh, it, for me, what we uh, have been talking about, I mean, they, they are merited ideas. Sure. There, there is value to these thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, uh, on a lot of them were right, uh, uh, even even if they're not the reasons that I got into it in the first place. But I find myself now 
down the path um, in this position where I have this opportunity. I have a skill set where I can inspire people. I can inspire my students. I can inspire people who appreciate my art. And I kind of want to. I, I kind of want to share um, this with other people. Um, yeah. Um, but again, how do we know these things actually have value and it's not just... <laughs> 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 uh, okay, and that's a difficult thing because I think that um, the tangibility of the value you create in, in creating art is so hard to pin down. You can never know what art might affect people mm -hmm. and how it might affect people. Right. Um, but I think, um, as, you, as you said before, like, should there be any art at all? Well, yeah, there probably should, yeah. right? Well, it, um, uh, and so because, because art evolves through natural selection, uh, to, to engage in creating art, even if the art does not end up inspiring people, as long as you are uh, honest with your intentions, you are forwarding the agenda of art, which is to forward itself. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, part of, part of this whole thing, too, is like, I mean, I was at the same time I was doubting everything, I was realizing like how much work it actually is, you know, to like do to, it's like, it's not, it's not an easy job. But like someone, you know, I'm glad there are people doing it. It's just, I, my, my suspicion is that there are a lot of people like me out there who uh, could be doing something else and might be happier doing something else and still be able to do their art and be satisfied with that. Um, sure. Um, yeah. I mean, they're definitely, they're definitely, those people it's just no one knows who they are until you know <laughs> yeah until you have that moment of of honesty with yourself mm -hmm. I, I think that's absolutely valid i think that at least with my own experience of uh going through music school and uh engaging with my peers to the extent that i did a lot of those fuckers had no idea why they were there it was just just like me they were they were on uh, autopilot they yeah. were doing what made them feel like someone in high school what do you mean by that <laughs> oh i don't know maybe they uh they were in the band and they felt pretty cool being in the band yeah. and everywhere else they were a dork and or or else they would have felt like a dork except for that they had band. Um, and so then after they graduate, they applied to music school and just kept, kept that going. That's funny. I, I feel like I didn't really feel that way about people at CU, but it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I may have been uh, more judgmental and stuck up my ass. <laughs> Possible. <laughs> <laughs> I may still be. <laughs> Let's go back because I have another thing I wanted to to talk uh, about New York City, um, mm -hmm. and my sort of cynical view of the city and of art. Mm -hmm. 
which is that why why else is art flourishing there in particular? Um, and I want to quote uh, nerd that I am. I want to quote Patrick Rothfuss, uh, "Name of the Wind." Art needs one thing to flourish: an appreciative affluent audience <laughs> yeah i mean i was gonna say why is there so much art in new york because of the high concentration of rich people <laughs> yeah absolutely which which um if you think about it makes a lot of sense uh historically because um wouldn't you say that uh, a lot of the culture of fine art um has ar- arisen uh from a, a very classist society where you have rich people showing off to each other about how rich they are right. and about how much free time they have or or just uh idle rich people who don't know what to do with their time mm-hmm. and uh i think a lot of uh elitism uh stems from that uh, a lot of oh well uh you, you can't appreciate the finer arts of, uh the finer points of my art because you're just a country bumpkin you're you're just a poor person you can't understand yeah no totally yeah i'm i'm there with you on that and uh and i do believe that that uh elitism lives on to this day um not only in new york but also in academia yeah yeah it's kind of like i was talking about with like the ballet thing and and like details that you can't really appreciate until they're pointed out to you um Mm-hmm. and being yeah. and being like being like in the know about you know like mm-hmm. uh and doesn't it just seem to you that that's the wrong reason to be doing the art uh yeah i mean the, like the the superiority thing is the wrong reason because mm-hmm. because it, it yeah if if you're getting into art to show off to yourself how much better you are than everyone else that's not a a genuine interaction with art that's just egoism yeah i mean <laughs> then you're getting into like analyzing people who like those kinds of rich people about whether they actually enjoy things or if they're just like <laughs> sure it. yeah i mean and maybe you can't really say uh conclusively about any individual other than yourself right uh, but but you can kind of notice trends and you can say, yeah, maybe a lot of the people who are going into music school today are maybe people who are going in for the wrong reasons because they haven't had that honesty mm-hmm. uh, to address it with themselves. Yeah. I guess like if I think about what I wish I heard when I was going to school, it's like, and this is part of part of what I've been thinking about a lot is like when you're going into school, people like i don't know i don't know about you and for me it was like oh he's obviously going into music so like (laughs) you know um but no one was really like uh yeah i understand you're really excited about music but think about the impact you want to have on a world on the world as like a human being and you're going to work you know like eighty thousand hours towards some cause and basically i mean basically like told me all the things i've heard within the past year year and a half because i I just feel like you know people the impression i got from people was like it's it's like a silly question to figure you know to to like put the weight of the world on your shoulders and you know ask very honestly how you can actually help the most um Mm. and you know that's kind of impossible task or like you know there's no way to there's no way to quantify that 
or um you know obviously mm-hmm. you have to balance that with doing something you love because you're not going to be good at it unless you <laughs> enjoy it um <laughs> but sure but uh i i have i think we've already agreed that there's uh an a definite uh value to creating art however um that the value is often very intangible and it's hard to point out exactly how it's going to affect people mm-hmm. um or or what inf- what impact it's going to have on the world mm-hmm. um but uh, i think we both agree that it's in the at the end of the day like you said there should be art there should be people making art mm-hmm. um but yeah i think it's absolutely valid that uh it may- maybe people before getting into it should ask themselves that question and say it is that like because if if you if you're addressing the question then maybe you have an honest uh engagement with uh with the art and honest yeah. Uh, intentionality yeah totally and i totally i mean yeah there are totally people out there who are just like i suck at everything else except for music which i'm like amazing at it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah i mean like yeah those people like they're obviously some of some of the ones who should be doing it <laughs> um it's weird that the end of high school was like seven years ago yeah. <laughs> jesus yeah how time yeah i was flies. i was like i was 17 when i was making all these decisions because I, I didn't i didn't turn 18 until september of freshman year <laughs> oh because you're super fucking smart <laughs> No, I, I just have a I have a late birthday. <laughs> so, if fine art has an elitism about it, what is the value of folk art versus fine art? Oh, I mean, I would I would say folk art is like way. I mean, on surface, way way more valuable, just because it it has potential to you know connect more people and it's, it's also like a more organic form of tradition than like you know mm. like people a bunch of people going to school and like studying a bunch of people who made art before and really thinking like analytically about it whereas in folk art it's just like yeah it's just organic and it's like um mm. yeah no, no one's really running it no one's really running the show it's just kind of everyone you know uh in like a community which I feel like, but isn't there less? Isn't there less intentionality about that? Isn't there less less thought baked into it with folk art? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would I would say there's a different kind of intentionality, and in that it's more sincere. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I, I asked that question a little bit uh, entirely as a devil's advocate. I'll say, <laughs> um, I do believe there's an incredible value in uh, folk art, and to me, that value lies mostly in the act of creating it and in the environment of creating it. Um, specifically, that it is a way to engage with your community in a creative way, not not just as like you're the performer and you have an audience but um to to create um and i'll speak to music because that's uh, my field um to create uh music and uh to 
create uh see what your peers are creating right yeah i mean that's that's i mean that's why i enjoy like part of it making art is just you know like feeling connected to people who are like doing the same thing as me and like for mm-hmm. sure and there's a, a rich history of that going back uh forever yeah (laughs) like i I don't think there's been a culture that we know of ever that hasn't had music yeah i think i would imagine that's true (laughs) i heard it somewhere must be true (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean at least at least singing i mean everyone has singing certainly Yeah. yeah i'm trying to think what other things do i keep thinking about that really bug me (laughs) (laughs) about this this question i mean it's like it's like anytime i look at like a really complicated score now like my first thought is wow how many hours did this person put into this and like you know like (laughs) but to me that doesn't bother me at all um unless uh well what what would bother me about it is the very real uh possibility that their intentionality in doing so was misplaced Mm -hmm. Um, which who are we to judge right. you know as, as an external entity yeah. but yeah um you know it must happen yeah. sometimes right. and maybe it happens more than it doesn't yeah <laughs> no it yeah i mean <laughs> be interesting to like i mean it'd be bs but just like go through pieces and judge like this person <laughs> like obviously like <laughs> it's all <laughs> <laughs> This person has deep, unaddressed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, part of, uh, I guess, another thing I think about a lot, and thinking about like individual psychology of, of people, like the world has changed so much in like the past thirty years that like I wouldn't, I wouldn't put pressure on you know anyone before like I don't know. 1990 1980 like i i wouldn't place any blame on them for not having these thoughts because no one was thinking this way and we didn't have the infrastructure mm. to actually like change the world in as like you know a focused and like uh scientific way that, that's that's part of like the the we're in a very unusual situation and we should be very careful about how we think about it because the situation is like you know changed so rapidly and it's unprecedented mm. in human history and you know like <laughs> yeah. all that stuff yeah i mean something about that seems kind of illogical but i i, I don't know it's hard it's mm. hard for me to to uh counter that argument wait well, what's what seems so logical just that like like i'm putting uh people 30 years ago up to a different standard than i am myself today like because that, that that seems like immediately like there's some inconsistency yeah because it's always on a gradient right like e- even a hundred years ago they were experiencing uh changes that were unprecedented in human history in the same ways that we are now just to a much lesser extent right i guess what i'm what i'm mostly talking about like have you heard of GiveWell? No. So there, there, there are a bunch of sites like this now, but they're like charity aggregators, and you know they just rate charities based on how effective they are, um, hmm. and you know calculating things like how much, how much does it cost to save a life, you know statistically, through stuff like malarial bed nets and you know intestinal worm treatments and that kind of thing, um, and it's I mean like, 
there's like whole organizations of people dedicated to that and it's just like it's like right there it's like easy easier than it's ever been right you just like have the money go to the you know (laughs) go to the site just hit you know click and like that's that's it and it's like that's just i mean it's bonkers like if you actually think Mm. about what that means (laughs) we have this like meme of like you know the celebrity on tv telling us we can save you know a child for you know a stupid small amount of money and so i feel like people when they hear stuff like that they kind of dismiss it because it's it's this like uh we're just so uh conditioned to like just dismiss that you know yeah it's uh cheesy it's yeah it's artificial and like it's it's obviously more complicated than that and you know yeah yada yada so so trevor we have so damn much art that's been produced in the last uh few decades if not even the last hundred years um why don't we just use that for a while (laughs) (laughs) like you know you know there's like what 85 percent of all music on spotify has zero views (laughs) <laughs> why don't we just go through all of that <laughs> yeah that's uh that's a, a, a good argument <laughs> i bet it, i bet it would last us a decade or two at least like maybe in that time all the musicians can like get a fucking real job and do something productive to, the, to support the community i mean i I mean, my, my mind has gone there before because, I mean, like, the next 100 years for humanity, I'm, like, I'm not, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm half serious, like, the next 100 years for humanity are, are, like, this is kind of, like, the gauntlet, you know? Sure. And so if there's any time to ask everyone who can to, you know, drop what they're doing and help us not die. <laughs> hmm. um, but here, so here's a, here's a thought. Um, what if art is an essential part of our cognitive process that allows us to address uh, and uh, adequately deal with upcoming threats. I mean, I, I would I would say that's definitely like a necessary part of our cognitive process just because we need art to be happy <laughs> as humans. Mm-hmm. Um, like like if, if you took the analogy of like, um, maybe art is like breathing and like okay look we got some stressful stuff coming up so let's better stop breathing okay because we need to put all our focus into um (laughs) running or whatever yeah that's a a pretty good (laughs) that's a pretty good analogy (laughs) (laughs) although i mean i it's kind of based on that art is essential as breathing yeah yeah it is and that is a supposition but uh I, I I think I think there may be something to that, but actually this is a really interesting question because we as biological creatures have the natural um, response to a stressful situation to tense up, stop breathing. When you're really trying to focus on something, mm-hmm. you hold your breath. Mm-hmm. And for that to have evolved as a biological trait, there has to be some value to it. Interesting. How does that how does that connect to art? 
well, may, like to to say that maybe there is a point at which we should stop doing art and focus on what's truly necessary to survive, mm-hmm. um, just to get through the gauntlet, and mm-hmm. we'll pick it up after. Mm-hmm. But where do you draw that line? Uh, you know, there's so many situations uh, nowadays, especially with this transformed world, where people engage in stressful situations. And their natural biological response is to freeze up and stop breathing, which is absolutely contrary to what would be beneficial in that situation. Yeah. I feel like that's a bit of a stretch because you can... How? Well, because you can do the breathing thing. I mean, that's just mindfulness. Like, that doesn't have anything to do with, like, art necessarily. Uh, Maybe I didn't communicate my idea clearly. Uh, I'm I'm not sure. So, but you, so you're saying like, are you, you're talking about literally breathing? I'm, I'm talking about, uh, so literally breathing as a metaphor for <laughs> creating art. <laughs> <laughs> that, okay. <laughs> okay. So look, I, I've got a hypothet. uh, I've, okay. So I've got this real phenomenon, right? You have a stressful situation. Uh, you stop breathing uh, as a natural biological response, right? Mm-hmm. In some situations, like fight or flight, like, uh, oh, shit, I have to focus and think really, really fast right now, and then I'll be able to breathe in, like, five seconds. That's a really valuable, important uh, reaction, mm-hmm. um, and we, would, we wouldn't have that reaction if it weren't so. Uh, it would have been weeded out through natural selection, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so you have this uh, uh, real phenomena where in certain situations to put the breathing on hold is a valuable thing. Mm-hmm. Now, if you take my metaphor that art is to humanity as breathing is to human, yeah, um, <laughs> uh, maybe there's a point at which we should put uh, art on hold uh, however um, it's challenging to know exactly when that is and I think there's a lot of times when we can get it wrong mm-hmm. um, in our society today we face a lot of stressful situations that do not benefit from our natural response of shutting down and so we we stop breathing and we shut down and it actually intensifies the stressful situation and Mm -hmm. may make it worse. Um, So maybe we uh, potentially face that same risk if we uh, were to shut down art for the sake of pursuing more tangible uh, good. Yeah. Um, You mean so that art just like, gives you a way to counteract that that response is that what you're saying kind of or like no no, <laughs> <laughs> no that it, that's it's, not what it's, it's similar to the response of not not breathing <laughs> well um because if, if you take and I, i'll admit that this is uh just a hypothesis that um art is a necessary part of the cognitive process mm-hmm. um that we gain more insight by having art than we would if we were to spend our energy otherwise 
um, and that, that then that helps us navigate the world better. Totally. Um, yeah. If you take that, that's kind of like, uh, well, it, it's a metaphor for, for breathing, right? Because uh, breathing, you need it to think straight. If you don't have it, then maybe it's uh, more challenging to think. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you're gonna not be able to navigate the world for very long. <laughs> yeah, I mean that makes sense. It all it, it all kind of rests on whether you think it's a good analogy to breathing or not. <laughs> I could I could see, I could see it. <laughs> I guess. Um, Maybe there's a better analogy out there, but I don't know. It makes sense to me. I mean, it makes sense, but like breathing is such an essential thing. It's like if you choose breathing, it's gonna you know, obviously that's essential. I mean, I, I do, I do get the analogy to some kind of like psych cycle that we need to go through to, to stay happy and, and adjusted and, and sane and all that stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. What about a different analogy? What about say serotonin? Sure. Art is as serotonin. Art is to serotonin as uh humanity is to human <laughs> uh you lost me with that one <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. well it, it's just it's just the same metaphor except for rather than uh something that's maybe like obviously essential it's something that like you maybe could go without but it would be shitty yeah yeah, no, that's that's a, yeah, that's a, that's yeah. What what does serotonin exactly do? Like, it has something to go, do with like, it's like more durable well-being than than dopamine, right? It's like but. interesting. I'm not I'm not sure I fully understand serotonin. I'm not sure the experts do either. Yeah. Um, but um, maybe maybe a, a good way to understand it is um, through experience of its absence. Um, I think maybe if you have had uh, an experience of depression, that maybe you understand what it's like uh, to be without serotonin. And so maybe you understand what serotonin is. For people who have taken certain drugs such as MDMA um, and experienced the crash afterward, mm-hmm. um, that, that crash is... Uh, defined by an absence of serotonin Mm -hmm. um and while i i can't say that i've experienced it fully um i've definitely nibbled at the edges a little bit yeah um and uh it felt to me um just sort of a, a nameless despair um a sense of not well-being of the world that that it's impossible for things to be well yeah um, <laughs> and uh, mixed with a, a general sense of apathy yeah yeah that sounds about right <laughs> yeah and so yeah that, that that would be life without serotonin yeah. maybe that's probably a pretty good analogy cool yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I guess one thing I think about a lot that we haven't really talked about is just the, well, we talked about it a little bit, but like the disconnect between like, if you, if you think about like, you know, if I wasn't to do this job, who else would be doing it and how different would it be? Right. Um, I mean, if you think about like 
the kind of like AI research stuff that I'm thinking about going into, it's like, well, if someone else is doing that, you know, they'd probably do be doing about the same thing that I would be doing. <laughs> yeah. <Right? laughs> um, although uh, I mean, maybe, maybe not. I mean, I mean the kind of, the kind of stuff I want to do is more like research that would probably be a little bit more like, like, uh, not so like menial tasks and, and stuff. Um, hmm. but yeah, if you think about music, it's like, Oh, obviously, you know, no one would be doing what I'm doing. Exactly. Someone could hmm. be doing a pretty similar thing <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and probably is doing a similar thing, you know, a bunch of places, but it's like, no one's going to be exactly, exactly like that. And it's, Hmm. Um, interesting yeah value through individuality yeah because that is something like uh, in like effective altruism and stuff they uh, they talk about like you know think about if you if you didn't do this job who would be doing it and what how big is the difference between those two things mm, and that's part of interesting yeah um i did actually uh i was surprised i hadn't found this page before but like um i mentioned the eighty thousand hours thing there's actually this organization called 80,000 hours it's like career you know helping people find careers and um and they have you know there is a like a page for you know like a music career and like I started reading I was like wow they totally misunderstand why anyone would go into this because <laughs> like wait, let me see if I can find it yeah I mean they, they really take like the the you think you're gonna affect millions of people's lives and the you know the chance of that is really low and um that kind of thing yeah I mean the title of the article is literally called pursuing fame in art and entertainment <laughs> that's the thing right (laughs) yeah fame yeah you want to be well renowned by your peers yeah (laughs) yeah i mean i when i think about it like i could have a totally meaningful life just being a musician like a local musician in austin like tour sometimes and you know if i knew for sure Mm -hmm. that was like the best thing i could do but that's the thing is you're never going to know for sure because the payoffs are so intangible uh, they may be huge, but it is a risk. They may not be. Right, and they take they take a long time. It takes a long time to, to know. Uh, yeah, or you may never know at all. Right. And how many composers have become widely influential after they died? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, twentieth century music. Twentieth century. Most of twentieth century music is way beyond, like people suddenly deciding a <laughs> hundred years later that like it's really really or like that it's gonna have like a wide appeal <laughs> sure but then again you never know you never know it's gonna hit that's true that's uh that's the point of the the natural selection right you create a lot of varying uh different organisms and the ones that uh uh, are well fitted for the environment mm-hmm. survive or or in the case of art um, the uh, one, one they may become uh, well fitted for a future environment or a, an environment in a different culture mm-hmm. um, and you really do not know what's going to take off right right yeah no that, that makes sense yeah I mean it's like random mutation exactly I mean well <laughs> Yeah, sure, you quote-unquote don't know, but you can make some educated guesses. <laughs> uh, you can, but you might be just as wrong as if you were just to pick one randomly. <laughs> um, I mean, again, take blues. Like, if you if you would have s- spoken to the most educated uh, musician of the time frame, uh, 
in the culture when blues was arising Mm -hmm. and you showed them some blues and say, Hey, is this anything? Is this going to be a thing? Yeah. It'd say, ha, (laughs) no. (laughs) Or like, or hip hop. I'm, I'm sure. Uh huh. Rap. Yeah. I think I pretty much agree with that, that idea that like, that's, Oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, again, it's like, you could say the same thing about pure mathematics because Mm. that, very reliably produces discoveries that have like, you know, wide, you know, impacts and applications, but no one really knows what's out there until they find it. And it could be in some obscure corner, you know, (laughs) a very specific thing. Um, But then it just comes back to music. Like, like what's the biggest possible impact? And like, you know, it could be like a whole genre. Um, I mean, another like, the other place my mind goes is like you know experimental electronic music and like like the early 20th century and like you know mid-century like i'm sure that had you know most of the innovations were from you know like contemporary music people like making a bunch of weird shit with the synthesizers and and it, you know they only they only got into pop music in like you know the 60s and 70s um hmm. i mean i think that's a i think that's a good example um Cause you know, <laughs> you could have shown someone like one of those big synthesizers in like 1940 and like, Hey, guess what? In like 60 years, all the music is going to be made on one of these. Things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll, I mean, the other thing is like, I, I do legitimately believe that AI is going to redefine, redefine our relationship to art within. Absolutely. I mean, def- yeah. So <laughs> there's a question is when, uh, artificial intelligence has automated everything and we're just sucking off the teat of, uh, of big susan what, what what do you what do you call what do you call the artificial intelligence big daddy um it's like you got big daddy's teeth um what what's the purpose of us and art i mean i think when that happens i mean that's the kind of society where i i think art will, will be totally essential because we'll have nothing else to do like like people literally <laughs> people will literally like you know not know what to do with themselves on like a gigantic scale like literally everyone because mm-hmm. there's you know what <laughs> what else is there to do and i think people will still want to connect to other humans through art mm. i don't think i mean i don't think yeah I, mean, I think people will still be creating things um what if the artificial intelligence also recognizes the value of art and so it decides to apply itself to creating art and creates every possible variant that any human could ever come up with actually yeah so i mean that's that's an exciting idea and like i mean there, there's going to be ais that make art no matter what what Certainly, i what it's I, already happening what's that yeah it's already happening yeah yeah um what I really, the idea that gets me excited is like something that's able to analyze our brains to figure out like our preferences on such a granular level that it can like, you know, create like the perfect piece of art for you specifically that no one else has heard. And it's not like some weird MIDI like rendering. It's like literally like, you know, (laughs) Uh vocals and like, you know, (laughs) everything. (laughs) And that it would be able to like elicit very, very strong emotional responses from you yeah wow i mean it's kind of a creepy idea but like i don't see any reason why that wouldn't be possible at some point no certainly certainly but then what would be the point of creating art if you knew the computer already made that art well i think for me what i like about composing is that it's kind of like exploring 
and you know even if you're traveling to some place some you know region of music region of possible music that someone else has already seen that some ai has already created music in you're still experiencing it for the first time and there's still the joy of exploration there and i think people will still be able to find joy in that even if some ai has created uh, every possible piece of art or music and then this kind of gets back to my i think i think more people should more amateurs should be making music because or art because that's mm. where we're going to end up <laughs> i like yeah i firmly believe certainly um i, I i'm with you on that one <laughs> yeah mm. um yeah it's crazy to think that's that's like legitimately possible within our lifetimes <laughs> yeah uh-huh yeah, if we get our shit together, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should there be art? Maybe. Um, <laughs> do you agree with me? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Question mark. <laughs> I think that's a fair a fair summation. <laughs> Should there be art? Yes. 